today on State Scoop's Priorities podcast from Scoop News Group. Identity as a gateway to digital services in Illinois and breaking the traditional HR mechanism in Texas IT. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. The Benton Institute for Broadband and Society has a new mapping tool that displays how many people are signed up for the FCC's Affordable Connectivity Program. The tool went live this week and is designed to be a resource for communities to track how ACP signups are going. The tool provides data on how many households have signed up for ACP as well as the number of households that are expected to enroll based on eligibility estimates. Tennessee has now automated more than 100,000 hours of work across more than a dozen executive branch agencies using robotic process automation. Bob Pucci, the state's executive director of intelligent automation, says the hours saved are the result of more than 120 automations implemented by the state. Next year, the state aims to automate more than 200 processes across almost two dozen agencies, which could save the state more than 250,000 hours of time. More than 1,800 state employees across Indiana have been trained in data literacy, according to the state's chief data officer. Josh Martin, the state CDO, says the training involves online courses from Arizona State University, as well as a selection of videos. The effort is part of the state's overall efforts to encourage employees to tap into open data to help them in their daily work. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. The Statescoop team just wrapped up coverage of the NACIO Mid-Year Conference in National Harbor, Maryland, and we did something a little bit more fun this year. Here with me now is Keely Quinlan, a staff reporter for Statescoop. Keely, tell us a little bit about the, the fun piece that we did this year. Yeah, so we uh, did a piece on the fashion at NACIO. We uh, uh, asked state CIOs, uh, their staff, and some vendors uh, about what they were wearing, why they were wearing it, and what advice they would impart on uh what what to what to wear so we'll get into the 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 results in in a second but but why why this piece what what made you think to do this (laughs) the inspiration actually came from recognizing that my assumptions were wrong about what was to be expected of a of a conference like this this was my first nasio so in taking it all in i was realizing that there were you know some folks that really put their best foot forward quite literally. Um, and so that was cool. And it was also like a great way to meet people. It was a conversation starter and icebreaker. And yeah, it was just kind of fun to, to you know, poke people and just be like, hey, what are you wearing? It felt very red carpet-ish. And I hope, I hope people had fun doing it as much as I did. Yeah. And so, so let's get into some of the, the takeaways. What, what were your impressions of, of uh, the, the, the attire? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the things that folks were telling you when they, uh, when they talked to you? Yeah. So off the bat, um, it was very apparent who knew exactly what they were wearing and, or versus the people who were just like, yeah, this is from my closet. I don't know when I got this, you know, no, no labels or whatever. I think another key takeaway that I, um, you know, wanted to focus on in the piece was like the playfulness and like business casual and like how many different ways you can do it. Um, and that was really like, honestly, the top line takeaway was that and even Doug Robinson, the uh, executive director of NASIO, told me this was that like casual atmosphere creates like a culture of like approachability, like 
it, it makes it feel less stuffy, right? Um, I think we all have and can get caught up in the day-to-day. Um, and I mean, these are folks that are, you know, take meetings with legislators and top tech officials and stuff like that. Um, so it can be really easy to default into just the typical blue suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like for at a conference, for example, like being able to um, pair a blazer with like a casual set of pants and then fun shoes, I think really uh, makes things, you know, easier. Now, I know you said this is your first NASIO, but do you think that there's some sort of correlation between a couple of years of not having conferences and then coming back in a little bit more casual way uh, to, to, you know, create a more inviting community focused atmosphere? Yeah, actually, ironically enough, uh, James Collins uh, of Microsoft said that the way the pandemic kind of impacted, you know, how we dressed generally for a little while, like, um, I think he had said, you know, for so long, it was like sweatpants on bottom and then whatever top, you know, you needed to get through that Zoom meeting. Um, but I think that definitely impacted the way that people dress and like the expectations surrounding, you know, what's what's appropriate. And again, like we kept hearing over and over again that comfort was the thing that was defining the choices people made, you know, stylistically. Um and, and plus, like at a conference, like you're you're on your feet all day long, you're walking, you're talking, you're mingling. The CIOs get invited to a lot of events afterwards, so it's not always ideal or um, it's not, you know, necessarily easy to just be able to pop in somewhere and like, you know, freshen up or whatever. And traveling too is just so taxing, you know. You want comfortable pants and good shoes. Um, and I think the same is true of a conference. Yeah. So, so Keely, that begs the question, who was the best dressed in Asia? <laughs> I am going to decline on answering <laughs> that. I don't want to make anyone mad, but I will say, I think kind of my favorite looks generally, um, that I saw were like the monochromatic suit moment. Um, Katie Ruckel had a really nice, uh, like pale pink suit on. Um, and yeah, so I think that that, I like that, um, but I'm not going to say who is best. Yeah, <laughs> and and so obviously we're we're being fun here. We're doing a, a bit of a fun piece, but I mean, what do you think all of this sort of represents? What do you think uh, thinking about these sorts of things in the context of an IT professionals conference? You know, what does what does that mean to you? Um, I think generally it's a like a, again a commentary on culture, right? I think fashion is a really good way for people to express themselves, and of course, you know it is your first impression of somebody, right? Nine times out of 10. Um, and I also think that there's a really easy assumption to to have about what is typical with tech. You know, we all think of like the, the Steve Jobs types and they own this like uh, same shirt in five different colors and, um, and that's it. But that was definitely proved incorrect at Nasio, which I think is fun. Um, and, but yeah, it was really a commentary on culture and like relating to people in a way that is not, um, skewed by these assumptions, right? Like it, it's really hard to be able to approach somebody in a suit that they definitely had tailored and perfectly made for them and 
to feel like you can have relate and have that, you know, level of conversation. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a culture shift. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to interpret the uh, same shirt in five different colors as not a personal affront against me, but it it's, it's okay. I knew it. <laughs> it I knew it. Keely, thanks for being with us. To see our piece on the fashion of NASIO 2023, check out statescoop.com and links in today's show notes. Illinois is looking to take its work on its identity platform, iLogin, and use that as a platform to continue its digital service growth. iLogin has 2 million users in the state today. Now, the state's acting CIO, Brandon Regal, says he's looking to increase the number of applications that use identity. Regal is a winner in this year's StateScoop 50 Awards. He tells me about his top priorities and how he's hoping to scale those services. The priorities are going to stay kind of the same, but accelerate some of the areas we've been working on. In the last few years, we've been working on you know modernizing our digital platforms, you know, getting to a space where we can really get some pretty usable uh, websites, uh, focus on accessibility and inclusion. We're going to take it to the next level now. We're really going to come in and really try to focus on you know, user-centric design and really make it more usable for the residents of Bishop, Illinois. Another area I really want to focus on is data. You know, it's, it's a thing for everybody. Looking over here and I see one of the chief data officers, just makes me think of that, right? So really want to get to the point where we can enable agencies and ourselves to really get our arms around data, be able to use data, you know, get smarter, get faster, uh, you know, enable analytics, build out a program. We have a chief data officer that's really focusing that space right now. Uh, it's going to be great work. We're going to get our team built out. Really kind of want to go from there, right? Cybersecurity. I can't, you can't say anything without talking about cybersecurity, right? Or really pushing that down at zero trust infrastructure, right? Uh, get to the endpoints, you know, protecting all the endpoints of all the state devices, uh, you know, getting the programs together, working with the locals and, and all that good stuff, right? Um, and really focus more on expanding out our broadband, right? So today, Illinois, a lot of people may not know, we have about 500 of our public school districts, K-12 school districts running on our broadband, really just to focus to try to get more on there, right? We're about 50 to 60% of the, of the public schools now, really like to see that number grow up over this next year. Uh, it's going to go from there. Nice. So let's let's dive into a couple of those. Uh, let's start with digital services. I mean, uh, it, it's like so many of these. It's such a massive topic. There's so much going on in that space. So many things that different states are doing, different cities are doing. Uh, where are you sort of trying to start that? Not not necessarily start, but where are you trying to to take a stab at the digital services piece? Yeah, we've we've, we've got a couple things going applied in parallel with that, right? One is obviously modernization of some of our technology stacks, right? You can't deliver good quality digital services with semantic ready technology. So we've been working to get good stacks in, good platforms in. Another area is working on identity access management, right? How do we make this where it's it's secure? Uh, we know who you are, right? When you're, you're coming to get services, uh, understand that piece and really the usability side of the house. So we have, in parallel, we have those three things running, those legs running. We'll, we've already launched out uh, iLogin, what we're referring to as branding. It's uh, just really our identity access management side of the house. It's one ID for resident of Illinois to create. They can get in and get multiple services. Right now, we have over 2 million user, uh, Illinois residents that are actually registered already with that account. You know, our, our next goal this year will be pushed to get more of our applications that are used for online services and behind that. And then really work on that usability space of that. So that's that'll be a big step forward uh, to really get us. Uh, how are you focusing in on data to make sure that you're getting the most out of those projects and those investments? That's a challenging one, right? Because it's it's not necessarily just the data that we'll be receiving; it's the data that exists. And the data that exists, you know, it, it is 
like most all other states in Illinois, a little bit everywhere. So that's why we've got the team we're building out, really focused on governance so we can get to the full data management. Um, from an IT, right, we're an IT shop, so we don't own that data, right? So it's, we, that is the, that is our agencies, that is our, our the agencies that we serve, it's their data. So it's really making sure they have a way, a standard way to get to them through standardization of tooling, education, and, and just enabling the, the best we can so they can kind of bring that forward. A lot of what I'm hearing in digital services and in data, and even cyber as well, you touched on it, is, is really around the theme of collaboration. Um, you know, how are you really, you know, sort of opening the arms of do it and expanding out, not just to state agencies, but to locals and to other folks as well, kind of bringing them into the fold? Yeah, that's your hundred percent right there too. So we, I, I took a mission, like as soon as I get in this role, like let's reach out to all the other agency directors and secretaries and let's just meet, right? Let's understand what are your needs, what are your challenges, you know, what is it that we can do for you? Um, and, and again, we have teams like our cyber team, you know, reaching out to locals and working with them, working with other agencies, the Illinois Army National Guard. How do we ensure protection, right, for, for all the all the basic Illinois data and residents, right? It, it's a big task on there, right? Working in events like this, right? You know, talking to other state CIOs and other IT leaders out there. How are you guys doing things? And let's collaborate, share stories and success stories and failures, right, to, to kind of get around this. Brandon Regal, the acting state CIO for the state of Illinois. You can read more about him and the state's work on identity and digital services at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. I'm Jake Williams, host of the Priorities Podcast. The winners of the 2023 State Scoop 50 Awards have officially been announced. The awards recognize the top leaders and projects in the state government IT landscape and were announced at the National Association of State Chief Information Officers Mid-Year Conference in National Harbor, Maryland on May 1st. To see the full list of winners, check out statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. This year's State Scoop 50 Awards were brought to you by Google. Texas is trying to disrupt the human resource function within state IT. Lisa Jammer, the chief people and culture officer at the Texas Department of Information Resources, says that while she understands technology is important, the state's IT office is primarily focused on people. Jammer gave a series of talks at the NASIO Mid-Year Conference in National Harbor, Maryland on the topic. She tells me about those talks and what she's working on in Texas. We're talking about how we are disrupting the human resource function, and more so the people and culture version of it. Um, at DIR, our HR professionals are called people and culture specialists because we understand that while our technology is important, our greatest value is our employees. And so today, talking to all of the uh, attendees and talking a little bit about some tips they can take back home to infuse their culture and to retain their top talent. And so so not just are, are you on the stage here at NACIO, uh, advocating for and speaking about the work you're doing in Texas. You are a 2023 State Scoop 50 Award winner. Uh, you know, tell me a little bit about your career and sort of how you got to this role and, and, and sort of your impressions of working within state government. Sure. I started my career actually in accounting, um, not really widely known, and started to take a trip through some human resource roles. I've worked in both the public and the private sector. But the public sector is my home. I feel good when I'm serving the community and more so when I'm serving our agency. And so I get the great job of caring for our employees and to make sure that they have a great experience and to come up with innovative ideas that build a beautiful and dynamic culture. That's great. And you've been in the role just just over a year. Is that right? In my newest role. Yes. yes. But overall, with it's the department for five years. Okay. Uh, what are some of the, the the big takeaways of this moment in you know Texas workforce uh, at DIR? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, 
while we know there is a supply of IT professionals, we know that the demand is even heavier, right? And so we have to be creative in our approaches of how we attract our talent. Ty going to apprenticeships, looking at interns, experiential learning is a huge one, partnering with our local colleges and our universities to really seek out that talent and getting them into the organization and being willing to reskill and upskill the talent so that you can retain them long term. And and when you look forward, I mean, you know, the, even if we do all the things that I'm sure you're 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 ready to do and excited to do, uh, the workforce challenge is, is going to be around for a bit. I mean, what, what's your outlook? What are you thinking about when it comes to workforce uh, in the near term? I'm thinking a lot about getting out and finding the talent, specialized talent. I'm thinking about skills-based hiring. While degrees are absolutely important, so are skills-based, right? And so looking at candidates that bring those skills that are hard to find and then teaching the rest of them in-house, that's a focus for me. And, and, and lastly, again, you are a State School 50 Award winner. Uh, what advice do you have for other folks across state government? Don't forget to put your people first. You can automate technology, but you can't automate culture. You have to be intentional and you have to invest in your culture and in the people in your organization. Give them a voice. They are your greatest stakeholder. Make them feel like they belong and the organization will be successful. Lisa Jammer, the Chief People and Culture Officer at the Texas Department of Information Resources. You can read more about her and her work at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.